welcome back again this week. Of all organizations that have played a role in the conspiracy and had a major influence on American history, Young America has been the least exposed to modern American students. It served as the Carbonary Front organization in America. Our book, To the Victor Go the Myths and Monuments, documents a wide range of communist initiatives and connections of Young America. The depth and influence of this movement is astonishing, and someone who is just introduced to it and sees its influence while it was operative is taken back by the veil of silence it receives in almost all American history books. It was a very important organization, just as the parent Carbonari movement was in Europe. The slogan of Young America, Manifest Destiny, is referred to in history books, but not its true meaning. Most think it meant that America's destiny was to build the United States across the continent from ocean to ocean. Its actual meaning was to use the United States as the instrument to conquer the world, to build a new world order. By first acquiring the Western Hemisphere, then Europe and beyond. Perhaps we can best show the mission and breadth of Young America by detailing the life of a major leader of Young America, George Nichols Sanders. Now, George Nichols Sanders was a Southerner who was named after his maternal grandfather, George Nicholas. Nicholas worked for the Spanish as an American citizen, attempting to break off Western territory from the United States, either as an independent country or as part of Spain. At any rate, George Nichols was in the pay of Spain towards this end and a traitor. This is the hard part to believe. Nicholas and his brother worked with Thomas Jefferson to produce what became the Kentucky Resolutions. This is where Kentucky and Virginia, the legislatures, took the position that the Federal Alien and Sedition Acts were unconstitutional. For 20 years, Jefferson's role in this was kept secret particularly at the time, since Jefferson feared he would be arrested under the Alien and Sedition Acts for sedition. It was not until Nichols' uh, son urged him to reveal Jefferson's role that the truth came out. Today, Jefferson's role is paramount, at least in history, and the role of the Nicholas brothers is more or less a secret. To know the latter, in other words, the involvement of the Nicholas brothers, would open up a Pandora's box of questions about Jefferson's involvement in those days. The Kentucky resolutions were amended before they were passed by the Kentucky legislature, and the firebrand treasonous rhetoric was eliminated from the original. They stand today as a, an example of libertarian sentiment, but that was not the case in the original document. As we've mentioned before, there was an ongoing scheme to seize the Western territories away from the United States that involved the governments of France, Spain, and England. We will not detail the part that Andrew Jackson played in this role or even that of Aaron Burr. That is in our book. But we offer this summary of what was going on at the time from a history written in 1863. First, General Wilkinson worked for years to separate the West from the East. Second, he, along with other leading citizens, took Spanish money and plotted to betray, uh, to betray Kentucky into Spanish hands. Third, 
His accomplices, uh, his accomplices were retained in federal government after their guilt became known. In other words, they were protected. Four, one of them, George Nichols, acted as Jefferson's chief instrument in forcing through the Kentucky legislature's resolutions of 1798. Five, Wilkinson played a role in the Burr conspiracy. Six, Burr's only crime was trying to lead a design by Wilkinson and Jefferson to usurp their leadership. Seven, Jefferson not only wanted to take Florida and Mexico, but Cuba as well. Now this is a summary from the history of American conspiracies, a record of treason, insurrection, rebellion, etc. in the United States of America from 1700 to 1860, published in 1863. Now I mentioned in a previous episode that after the Civil War, a lot of this history that we've just now revealed was purged from the history books. Before the Civil War, this, what we've just iterated, was common knowledge. When the United States defeated Spain in the Spanish-American War, the invoices for the Spanish payments to General James Wilkinson were still in the archives in Havana, Cuba. At the time Wilkinson was taking money from the Spanish, he was the head of the United States Army. And General uh, George Nichols was operating with General Wilkinson. Now this family background gives you a sense of where George Nicholas Sanders got his pedigree. Sanders was in Europe during the communist revolutions of 1848 and fought alongside of the communists at the barricades in Paris in 48. He was later named our consul in uh, London by President Franklin Pierce. While in London, he and the future President James Buchanan, our ambassador to Great Britain, hosted a dinner for the communist and illuminist radical leaders at Buchanan's residence. At this affair, they openly called for the assassination of, Nick, of Napoleon III of France, among others, and the overthrow of European governments. They toasted the World Republic and sang La Marseillaise for years, the song of international communism, until the international was written. The firebrands in, the attendant, uh, in attendance at Buchanan Sanders dinner included the leader of the Carbonari Mazzini, uh, Louis Blanc of the Paris Commune bloodbath, who wrote extensively on the Illuminati and others. Recall that Trotsky, said that the Carbonari was the culmination of the Illuminati on the left. Now Sanders actually hired a man to assassinate Napoleon III and had a hand in similar assassination plots. As a result, Sanders was not confirmed by the Senate, which was outraged at his conduct. Buchanan had already been confirmed and he became our next president. Only 10 senators voted to confirm Sanders. One of them was Stephen Douglas, who was Lincoln's rival in Illinois. It cannot be proven that Buchanan was an actual member of Young America, but he was wholeheartedly supported by them, and upon his return to the United States, he traveled home on a railroad train that had been decorated with a large banner that said, Young America. While in London as our unconfirmed consul, Sanders served as the London correspondent for the New York Herald newspaper, run by Young America editor James Gordon Bennett, 
who wanted to expand the United States into Cuba, Canada, and the West Indies by force. After he was elected president, Buchanan wanted Sanders to return to London to be our American representatives, but couldn't garner enough support in the Senate to do so. Sanders was a founder of Young America and a vicious man. Even so, George Law and the Rothschild agent, August Belmont, financiers of many Young America initiatives, acquired a financial interest in the Democratic Review newspaper in 1851 and handed George Sanders a share in it as its editor. The Democratic Review was already a Young America mouthpiece, but started to project the fiery attitude of its editor, Sanders. It promoted the invasion of Europe and Cuba and other Young America initiatives. Some of the contributors to the newspaper included Nathaniel Hawthorne and Edgar Allan Poe. Many Y uh, Young American adherents agreed with Sanders, but urged that he soften his approach. This included Stephen Douglas. While we concentrate more on the Northern aspects of the conspiracy in our book, this does not mean that Southerners were not involved. There are several indications that Jefferson Davis was active in the Carbonary Network. Davis' personal physician at one time was Dr. Crawl, a member of the Turners, which we will explore in a later segment. Jefferson Davis' private secretary during the Civil War, Burton Norval Harrison, was a member of Skull and Bones, his private secretary. Jefferson Davis would name George Sanders as his representative as an ex-officio member of the Confederate missioners in Canada late in the Civil War. Sanders was only two steps removed from Adam Weishaupt. He was associated with Blanque in London, who had worked with Bonarotti, who was under the influence of Weishaupt and Robespierre. Sanders advocated the use of the guillotine, so loved by Robespierre, to kill Napoleon III in a speech in New York on September 22, 1855. The meeting was in celebration of the birthday of the French Revolutionary Republic. He said that it would be, he would be willing to operate it, quote, by steam by God, I guess, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Sanders' influence was considerable, especially within the Democrat Party. He and two others took control of the Tammany organization in New York, and he became very influential in the Know Nothing Party as well. This was all due to the organization of Young America. Now, at the unveiling of the Stars and Bars flag of the Confederacy in Montgomery, Alabama, the revolutionary song La Marseillaise was sung with Sanders in attendance. We will visit Sanders again when his name appears on the co-conspirators list of those the federal government accused of being involved in Lincoln's assassination. Our book, Myths, goes into a great deal of Sanders' influence and the machinations within American politics prior to the Civil War. It's, it's really fascinating reading. Considering what we've just said about George Sanders, the fact that he had the backing of the financiers of Young America and representative for, of foreign bankers, his involvement with revolutionary leaders, his influence in the political scene that we have not even begun to show, look him up in any standard school history text. You will not find him there. More on Young America and its influence in the next segment. We'll see you then. Mm -hmm.